Hi, I'm Terry, Instagram's sassy sober mum. Welcome to my podcast, Sober Stories from Everyday People, bringing you stories from people just like you and I. The aim of this podcast is to share our experiences with drinking and how we got and stayed successfully sober. Good evening, Patrick. How are you? Yeah, really good, Terry. Got my Christmas jumper on, ready yeah. to share awesome tips for everybody. <laughs> you right? put me to shame. You put me to shame. I didn't think about that. I'll have to do that for the next live because we are planning another live, aren't we? A bit later in the month. Um, yeah, no, I'm all good. I'm excited to get into this chat. Uh, so we are going to cover the six tips to thrive in December. Um, so we're going to be going through mindset, getting your story straight, planning, particularly drinks, blips into gold, daily practice and boundaries. So yeah, why don't we launch straight in there? So, uh, kicking off with mindset first. What do you want to say about that, Patrick? Do you want to go first? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, I'm really looking forward to this. I think these six things that we've got to share with everyone are going to have, <laughs> I think there's going to be a lot to learn. And I enjoy talking about them, which is fun as well. So let's think about mindset, right? Like this word mindset. Or even if you break it into two, right? It's like, how is your mind set? Like, what is the way that you think about things in your life? And obviously, in this instance, we're going to be talking about how you think about alcohol how you think about yourself and alcohol and more importantly like how do you think about yourself right so mindset is everything now i might use a few few cliches as i go through talking about mindset and terry feel free to ask any questions at any point as well but you know what we focus on we create more of right and so Mm -hmm. what we believe about ourselves what we think about alcohol and like the use of it in our lives is going to be really telling because that's going to be what shows up. That's like how we're going to want to show up for it, right? Like we're going to try and prove it true. And just because our brain offers us thoughts, it doesn't mean they're true, right? Mm. And especially at this time of year, right? Like you're going to have a Christmas mindset, <laughs> you know? I think you can have mindsets in lots of different areas of your life. But, you know, my Christmas mindset was pretty much just to get wasted all month. Do you know what I mean? Like to go out and just any reason to go out was a good reason as far as I was concerned because it was December, because it was the festive period. It was just no holds barred, right? I could just do whatever I wanted. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mindset is really important. So like first thing, like understanding what you think about this going into this month, right? Uh, Just like a random example, uh, because mindset is about your brain predicting what's going to happen, right? So b- before this call, I've had dinner and I'm going to go pick my son up afterwards. And my mom says she's getting loads of pizzas in. She's at Costco's and they do these really nice, massive pizzas and they taste great, right? And I was walking around the house and I was like, yeah, I'm going to eat some when I get there. But then I caught myself out and I was like, why do I want to eat some when I get there? Like, I don't, I'm not hungry. I don't need to eat it. But it's just like my brain's telling me that it tastes nice, telling me that I've done it before. It's like, before I even got there, I'm imagining how it's going to taste and stuff. Yeah. So we can see how this might show up in 
how we think about alcohol, right? Like, how we think about what happens through this month with the Christmas parties and going out with the your mates or all of those other things, right? Like already our brain is planning what those things are going to be like. So yeah. it's really important to under, get, get an understanding of what your mindset is. Yeah, I think that's so, uh, so true. Uh, I, I think that there's a tendency and I know with myself, there's a tendency to think worst case scenario and, you know, it's about trying to be aware of what that internal narrative is what 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 are those christmas parties and those christmas events going to look like when we've done something big like stop drinking it's easy to think well actually that's going to be really hard people are going to give me a hard time i'm going to feel really awkward and uncomfortable i'm going to be embarrassed when everyone's questioning me and i'm just going to stand out and i'm not going to have a good time it's easy to think those things because i think our brain is wired a lot of the time to think the worst but actually um you can flip that and you can think about, well, hang on a minute, what happens if I do get through that event and uh, I, I do it successfully sober and I come home, I'm going to feel great. What about that following morning? I'm going to feel amazing. I'm going to be able to prove to myself that I can do this and probably I'm going to have a lot more fun than I think I am. Because I don't know about you, Patrick, sometimes when I'm really fearing a night out, it actually ends up being really good. Um, and it sort of almost like surprises you. So I think that it's normal to have nerves and anxiety and to have fear, especially at Christmas. But when you are aware of those thoughts and you're, you catch yourself having those types of conversations or thoughts, just try and stop and just think, okay, I've thought about some bad stuff here, but how can I focus on now? What is the good stuff that could come out of this? What is the growth opportunity that might be getting through my Christmas party without crumbling or, you know, having a drink? And just trying to think of some of the good things as well. I think that's important. No, that's great. And absolutely, it's about like our brain's designed to look for problems right like so it's natural that we're going to be thinking about the month ahead and you're going to be like oh my god how am I going to do this how am I going to do that what's this going to say like all of those things but it's about how can you reframe it for yourself yeah. right like how can you start thinking about okay so what's an opportunity here like what could I show myself yeah. like how would I like to show up to some of these things right because I think one of the most important things on this journey to sobriety is about like building up evidence for yourself mm. of like you can do it so yeah. if you're approaching things like not beating the crap out of yourself and thinking like well maybe you know maybe I could go out and do it this way yeah. I think from mindset as well right it's like it, it's like a commitment isn't it it's like you've already decided and your brain is going to try and convince you that it knows what is best for you even though there's going to be this other part of you that's like I don't want this anymore and so mm -hmm. it's just like how do you nurture that yeah. other part you know that part of you that is actually curious to try these new things yes yeah and I think also having the expectation as well that um you know that that it that it might be uncomfortable in the beginning of the night but that's not a long period of time like try to put some perspective on it you might get asked a couple of times like why aren't you drinking and that might take five minutes but then you might have three hours of fun or however long you decide to stay and so that few minutes of feeling uncomfortable 
it's not a huge amount of time, really, you know, just to put it really simply. Um, and if you, you know, if you, and this goes into our next point, actually, which is quite a nice link. Um, if not you get your story point. straight, <laughs> point number two, <laughs> um, then you go in with confidence to, to have these kinds of conversations. So um, getting your story straight is about thinking what you're going to say in that situation that you might be nervous about, you know, why you're not drinking, especially if you're going to be socializing with people from work or friends that are used to seeing you get hammered. You know, maybe you are the party person in your crew. Um, so I am a planner. <laughs> I love to plan things. When I uh, first started socializing, I, I actually practiced what I was going to say. To, to myself um, and, I, and I wrote it down and I kind of wrote that story out and and I had different things that I said like I, I kind of kept it quite loose and quite breezy uh, in the beginning and said things like well I'm just really enjoying not drinking at the moment and I just want to see how far I can get with that so yeah. what you're doing there is you're sort of saying that there's a commitment not to drink but you're not saying I am not drinking for the rest of my life so don't even offer me that whiskey and Coke or whatever. Um, so you're giving something, but you're not giving everything. And that feels congruent because it's the truth. So you're not lying. I mean, some people, you know, might feel more comfortable saying I'm on antibiotics or, you know, whatever. You have to do what's right for you in that situation. But I, I personally felt good saying something that was the truth, but not over explaining myself and giving everything away because people don't, you know, you don't owe that to anyone, particularly colleagues in a work party. Yeah. So keep it simple and try and stick to it. And I always found that if I had my sentence like, I'm just not drinking at the moment, I want to see how far I get with it and I'm really enjoying it, people would go, oh, no, but have a drink. And I say, oh, but I'm really enjoying not drinking at the moment. I, just, I really want to go, you know, and I just kept repeating it <laughs> to the point where, you know, I repeated my story and I didn't go off script, literally. Um, and people kind of run out of steam with that. And actually what they do is they kind of, they think, okay, well, I just, I'll go over to Bob over there and have a shot with him and I'll leave, you know, and then it's over and it's, it's sort of done. So, um, yeah, my advice would be plan your story, write it out if you have time, practice it, even in the mirror, if it makes you feel better, uh, keep it simple. I think it's nice to give something away, but not everything away. And, you know, expect it to be uncomfortable, but not for long. We're talking minutes, really. Yeah, but those minutes uh, are huge, really. Yes. In the grand scheme of things, because that's you, like, stepping into that new identity, giving yourself confidence. And even though it might feel uncomfortable, but, like, you come out the other side of it feeling so proud of yourself, right? Mm. Like, you've actually done that. And I love what you're saying. I think it's so important to, for me, like my philosophy is just be as truthful with it as you can, because when you start trying to like make excuses for it, sometimes that can end up, you know, like people can sense that, I think, and they, yeah, they might put you out. Like being true to yourself, no one can really argue with that. So some of the things that I would say when I stopped, like people were like, oh, you're not drinking anymore. I was like, no, I'm just sick of it. You know, it's making me feel like shit. Mm. there's not really much of a response that people can come back with when you're like honest about your reasons and it doesn't mean that you have to divulge every single thing in your life about why you're not drinking yeah but enough just to like people go okay 
Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, I'm just laughing. I'm laughing at Mike is sober. Yes, if you start with a lie, then you're in trouble. Yes. <laughs> it's true. Um, okay, so moving on to, um, we've got planned drinks, but kind of the umbrella of, of planning. And part of that getting your story straight falls under that that planning. But in terms of planning drinks, this, this can be a big deal, can't it, Patrick? In the beginning, like, what am I going to drink? You know, you're used to having a certain drink in a social situation and, so, you know, you feel just so out of place when that's gone and, you, you know, you're not going to have that drink anymore. So um, yes. now, actually, there's a, there's a lot of alcohol-free options. Um, when I think when I, three and a half years ago, when I first kind of went sober, there was really alcohol-free beer and that was it. Whereas now there's like all these stunning drinks. Um, and yeah, this, this is just growing and growing and growing. So um I would say try and ring the venue if you can to see or look at the menu online so that you can see what's available to you. If it's a situation where you can take your own drink, great. Um, then just stash a couple of cans in your in your bag. Um, otherwise, you can have things like lemonade and tonic, which can pass as looking like a drink if you really don't want to be, you know, out there zero percent and proud. Um, and I, one of the things I was thinking about when I was thinking about this is actually expect not to drink a lot <laughs> because you don't drink that much when it's just like diet coke and lemonade there's only so many of those drinks that you could actually drink and that makes uh, you realize how much you were drinking just you know to get the bars and with the wine and stuff you're just gulping gallons of alcohol back but actually soft drinks i sort of have one drink and i'm done so i don't know about your uh, thoughts on that yeah, like three pints of lime and soda and you know about it, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Kind of like related to the last point as well, though, is that was one of the things I felt most awkward with in the beginning of my journey is like going out with friends and being at the bar and that whole like, oh, you know, like being in around and stuff. Yeah. So I didn't want to be in around, one, because it was going to cost me a fortune and I wasn't drinking anymore. And two, because it just, I don't know, it just made me feel a little bit uncomfortable. Mm. But absolutely, like, I love this idea of phoning ahead. One of my clients does that, right? Like, he phones up bars, he phones up wherever he's going. He's like, what zero beers do you have? Can I bring any of my own if you don't sell them? And it's, like, pretty cool thing to do. Also, you know, another guy I, I, I work with, he actually asked for a specific drink in a cocktail glass, you know, I can't remember exactly what it was, but like you can ask for the, you know, like if you want a certain drink, a certain glass, like go ahead and ask for it. Like still you get to be classy with your glass, right? Like that's yeah. totally awesome. So yeah, it, it might feel, again, it's one of those things, it's going to feel a little bit uncomfortable. You might feel a bit weird asking for a lemonade in a champagne glass or whatever, right? But yeah. Do what works. Yeah, exactly. That's my, I think that's the, that's, that's the main thing, isn't it? Do what works. Do what works for you and what feels comfortable. So moving into blips, blips into gold. This is your this is your title. So I'm going to let you kick this off. Yeah, blips into gold. So what's the <laughs> the blip is where you find yourself drinking, and perhaps you said you weren't going to drink, right? Now a natural tendency that I tend to see in many people, and, and including myself, right, is like when I would even now, right, but not alcohol, other things. But when I do something, I say I wasn't going to do it, like. I want to beat myself up for it. And I want to go, oh man, I'm so stupid. Why did I do that? Like, what's wrong with me? You know, like all of this kind of self negative self talk. And 
I don't know why, but for some reason our brain thinks that's going to be what motivates us into change. Yeah. It really doesn't, right? Like beating yourself up just perpetuates how you're feeling. You feel negative and then you want to use things to, to change how you're feeling. So if you find yourself like saying, well, I'm going to have a drink, but then I end up having loads of drinks, like don't beat yourself up for it. Like look for the gold in that, right? And if you're listening, you're probably thinking like, what is he talking about? But actually there's a lot of information. There's a lot of learning from when you drink you can get really curious about why you're drinking, right? Like, what was I feeling? What was I thinking? Like, what was I afraid of? Like, maybe you're out with your mates and everyone's drinking and you, you wanted to fit in or maybe you had a, a day at work that was too not too stressful but felt stressful, right? And then you're like, oh, I just hope. So it's really a good time for a self-inquiry as to what's going on and just, like, recognising those triggers mm. in your life but also the the patterns of behavior that lead up to it in the same way with that pizza example, right? Like my brain started predicting I was going to eat something straight away. So like be noticed in the day, right? Like if you're having a day at work and it feels stressful, catch yourself out. If you're thinking like, Oh, I'm gonna, I need to have a drink when I get home. Right. Cause that's mm-hmm. going to be cool. If you like, cause that's the, you creating the awareness. And then that's the more you do that, the more you're going to go, okay, so I can begin to interrupt that. Like, I don't need to go home and have a glass of wine. I wonder why I think that's what I wanted to do. Mm, so, yeah. Your experiences mm. to find out more about yourself. Like, be super compassionate with yourself. Like, it, and it's a skill, compassion, right? Like, it's not something we've all taught or necessarily have in us. So, like, be compassionate with yourselves. Patience. Yeah, exactly. And you can't, you know, you can't learn, you can't unlearn what you learn. So, you know, like, like you say, I know some people um, have a wobble or have a blip in sobriety. Um, It's happened to me. I've done, I've done that twice before I properly uh, stopped drinking. Um, And I remembered how much, how, how much shame and sadness I felt. But you're absolutely right. When I reflect on that now, it really helped to bring me to where I am today. And so sometimes having a blip can be part of our story and it can be the thing that encourages to really leap into it properly. Yeah. And yeah. that, 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 is, that is a positive thing. And that is, you know, at the, the end of the day, everybody that's on this live now everyone everyone that's on the instagram and 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 you know checking out content people want to change like they have that intention to 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 live a better life so it's not always that straightforward uh going down this path and sometimes there are some blips not straightforward but your brain will convince you it's supposed to look different right <laughs> all that does is actually keep you doing more of the same yeah but, bloody brain yeah right but you know, oh, i totally forgot what i was gonna say but I, compassion yeah. recognizing like oh that's it you're not what you drink yeah like, even if you drink and get absolutely wasted and you know like call somebody a name or whatever like, like that's not who you are like you don't have to shame yourself like that isn't who you truly are right like that's what alcohol has done to you right because it's the drug it like it changes your brain like your brain mm. is shut yeah. it down when you're drinking alcohol right so you're not what you do you're way more than that I think that's such a important thing to start seeing in yourself yeah no that's lovely um so what are the things that you could be doing or that hopefully you're doing 
um, in order to give yourself that scaffolding almost in, to go into these types of events or, or into a month like December, which is arguably the, the busiest calendar. You know, if you can get through Christmas, to be honest, you can get through anything. <laughs> like Christmas has it all, doesn't it? But so the next point is daily practice. And this is something that I know I really go on about just because um, it changed my life. It literally changed my life. Um, And so what is daily practice? I think we cannot underestimate the significance of the reading, the quit lit or the stories or the blog Mm -hmm. or whatever it is that draws you and makes you learn. But that and the podcasts, there's so many wonderful podcasts. There's mine, there's yours, Patrick. There's tons of podcasts about sobriety out there. You only have to open your um, your podcast app and type sober. And there's literally dozens and dozens of episodes of content with people just sharing information, tips, stories, and I personally, when I went into uh, my sobriety, I did this every single day. I read at least a chapter of a quit lit book, uh, and I always had a book on the go. And I listened to at least one podcast. And I think, I swear to God, I did that like every day for about eight months. Every single day I listened to a podcast. And I just, I know people say, well, how on earth did you get the time? Um, but I just, I, I made the time, but I also... I listened to any any time I had 10 minutes. So whether I was washing up or coming back from the school run um, or, you know, hanging out the washing or doing some cleaning or cooking some dinner or on my lunch break from work, I had a podcast talking in my ear, uh, learning and teaching me stuff. And, and I was learning new stuff. I just that daily practice was c- transformational for me. And I think it's so easy to deprioritize that, which is really what you're doing there is you're deprioritizing yourself. But a little bit every single day of that stuff will just keep feeding your brain those messages and the important information that's going to help you to literally change your life. Um, and, you know, a little bit every day. Yeah, that's right. Mike is sober, say 1% every day is the goal. Just a little bit every day stacks up to a huge amount by this say end of six months or end of the year so um ask yourself are you really doing enough every day if you're feeling amazing in sobriety brilliant you're obviously doing some great work if you're struggling or if you were doing amazing and now you're feeling a bit flat or you're stuck my advice would be get ramp up that that work do that daily practice um and just make it part of your everyday what about you patrick agree with that yeah 100 right and it's like all, all of that information that you're consuming right into your consciousness that's all part of unlearning the desire for alcohol is because you're bringing in new information and you're like you're not focusing on other stuff so yes yeah, it's, it's it's integral to this journey a few things that i used to really like doing is journaling i think that's really powerful for me like asking myself questions like reflecting on how far i've come or even just how i'm feeling right sometimes i just have a rant and (laughs) just instantly feel better i think exercise is important as well like just whatever it looks like 10 minutes going for a walk running whatever right but i think thinking you haven't got time is a lie 
because there is time, right? Like there's dead time in our days where we're driving, for example. Like that's a perfect time to stick on yeah. a podcast. You know, you might be traveling to work if you're on a train. Perfect time to read a book or listen to a podcast or watch a YouTube video, right? Like there's so many times in the day where there's things to do. Sobriety brings you lots of time as well, right? Like, yeah. it's not like it really does. Time. I know this time is stag. Well, it's even a concept, but you know, you have more time, right? Because you're not hungover. You're not thinking about drinking. You're not going out all of the time. Like you'll be surprised how much of your life you reclaim by not drinking alcohol. Yeah. So true. Yeah. So true. Um, okay. So we're going to go into our last point, which is boundaries, but, um, I just wanted to ask if anybody has any questions for either of us, uh, please feel free to start writing them because if there's questions, we can have a little Q and A at the end, perhaps. Um, so, the last one, point six, is um, well, it's a bit of a bombshell when we did this preparation. <laughs> we were laughing at this, weren't we? So this is um, this is boundaries, okay? And and this is something that uh, maybe sometimes we don't feel like we have the permission for this, mm-hmm. um, but you can just not go <laughs> to the thing uh, or the event. You don't have to go. If you don't feel comfortable, um, then you can just, yeah, decide not to go. And uh, is it Glennon Doyle that says, uh, let, let others down before you let yourself down? So by not going or by saying no or, you know, or maybe you go, but you only go for an hour, you know, you leave early, feel that you have the permission because you give yourself the permission to have boundaries around this stuff. So over to you, Patrick. So we're going to share this uh, point, aren't we? Yeah, and boundaries is another one of those things that is is probably going to bring a level of discomfort to it again, right? So it's being okay with letting other people manage their own emotions, right? Like if someone wants you to go out and do something and, you know, you're actually thinking, well, Actually, the best thing for me is to just stay at home <laughs> because yeah. I don't want to be tempted. But you've got to do what's true for you. And you know what? That other person might get disappointed with you. Let them be disappointed. It's nothing to do with you, right? Like, they're just disappointed because they wanted to go out. They had this expectation. But you know what? Like, what's most important is how you treat yourself. It's like the self-care you give yourself. And alcohol is not self-care. It's anti-self-care. Yeah. So, yeah, boundaries, like having boundaries for yourself in terms of what's okay and not okay for you, having boundaries for other people. Like even with family, right, like it's still important to have boundaries. You know, what's mm-hmm. that expression? It's like where, you, where they end is where they begin is where you end, right? Like be okay with just saying, no, that's not what I want. Or if, if you're in an environment where everyone's drinking in the room and you don't want to be there, like feel like give yourself permission as you say to mm. go and sit somewhere else go for a walk like get out especially if you're feeling like an urge or a desire to want to drink or to join in but you you know that you don't really want to so yeah, yeah boundaries uh, for yourself others yeah perfect so um you'll laugh at this I, these questions just started coming in and then i realized i have no pen and so i'm using my daughter's mm. um lip liner to try and write some of these 
Yeah, I saw the first one. If you wanted to uh, address that one, it's about like, do you have to go to uh, inpatient clinic? So here's what. Yeah. Um, In the UK, I don't think that's such a a big thing at all, Uh, but it may be. What I would say though is, if you are comfortable with not drinking for a few days at a time, like if you know that you're not going to have any kind of serious withdrawal effects then I wouldn't see a need to go to inpatient. Here's the thing. If you are considering that or you think it might be a problem, and I'd always recommend to go and see your doctor first. Like, if you are have any concerns about stopping, like, do just check with a medical profession. But generally, if you're okay, if you can go a few days without drinking, then I would say that, no, I don't necessarily think you would have to go to inpatient clinic first. Yeah. Yeah, good advice. So um, next question is, um, how did you resist the urge in the beginning? That's a good question, isn't it? Yeah, well, it's funny. (laughs) It's not about resisting the urge. It's about allowing the urge. It's about recognising that it's there and just, like, acknowledging it for yourself. Because we we, we think about resistance, right? Resistance is where we want to push something down. like We want to pretend it's not there. And all that actually does is make it stronger. And eventually it explodes, right? So it's not necessarily about resisting, but it's just about acknowledging it's there. Like accepting, like, okay, I'm having an urge. My brain's telling me to go and have a drink. Like, and accepting it allowing it and then having compassion with yourself like okay i i i feel you body and it doesn't mean that i have to drink and you know the development of that is to experience what it feels like in your body when you're having an urge sometimes for me like an urge is more of a mental thing it's just like it's so compulsive it's like oh i need to do it i need to do it, to do it. but like that's the first portal call where you kind of get really curious like well why do I need to do it like what's going on for me like what's why am I thinking that I need to go and have a drink right now so Mm. it's about that self-inquiry I think when those urges come up rather than seeing them as a problem see them as an opportunity right like something to to learn from Mm. Yeah. Mm. yeah I think that's a really um as a really good point actually and I think the reason why we feel that urge is because we still place value on alcohol we still desire it and so the thing that helped me was to teach myself or to try to undo some of that conditioning and to pick apart that belief system that I had around alcohol being great or being fun or being my the thing that I needed to fix whatever was going on in my life Um, and I I read I know you you read This Naked Mind didn't you it was one of your key books for me it was the Alan Carr's Easy Way to Stop Drinking and he does a version for women so it's Easy Way to Stop Drinking for Women Um, and that book uh, was transformational I mean it just it really really started to undo and unravel some of that desire that I had around alcohol and once I had started to learn that I really managed to snowball that and I kind of really built on it and it was just yeah it was a phenomenal book and I think if you don't try to um if you don't try to kind of attack this desire piece, what you're doing is you're just using willpower. 
really alone. And that is not going to give you successful, happy, long-term sobriety. Because if you're always using willpower and you're white-knuckling it, you're always going to think that you're going to get that FOMO and you're going to be missing out on having the alcohol because you place value on the alcohol. So, so, So to win the game, you've got to learn how to stop desiring the alcohol and the easiest way to start doing that is to read one of those kind of life-changing books so the easy way to stop drinking for women but they but they do do a like non-women version or the annie grace this naked mind um so that leads on to um how do you deal with add something to that as well as it came up right and that's such a great point and i think also like as you're doing that the more you do it you you're gonna start looking at the joy of missing out right like a lot of times it's like we have this fear of missing out that we could be doing something you know over time and it it happens way shorter than you might expect but like you start looking forward to not being hung over the next day and stuff and like all of that plays when the urges come right like this idea of play it forward you go yeah but tomorrow i want to wake up fresh and be okay like have fun with the kids and go and do this that and the other so yeah just like Think about the joy of missing out, I think, is really yes. fun when you're thinking about urges because they're, they're not problems. They're just something to get curious with. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's lovely. And so there was a question about FOMO. How do you deal with FOMO? Um, oh. uh, yeah. Yeah. So you go. How do you deal with it? Yeah. Again, it's just acknowledging it's there. Yeah. You know, what, yeah. what do you think you're going to miss out on? Like, really, yeah. what do you think you're going to miss out on, you know? And remembering your brain is trying to use what's happened in the past to predict the future. So, like, the fear of missing out is only based on what's happened in the past. Yeah. Now, you have no idea what the future's going to look like if you're not drinking, if you've been drinking for a long time. So, if you start thinking about, well, you know, the, the joy of missing out is going to be all of those things I just said a moment ago, like waking up, feeling fresh and stuff. So, yes, you might have missed a night out, which nobody's going to remember, and you lose your handbag and your phone and you fall out with your best friend. <laughs> or you can think about the day where you have an amazing time and you wake up early and have a nice, refreshing breakfast and all of those things. Yeah, yeah, so true. And also as well, I think, you know, just like you, like you said, that initial FOMO that that is part of the journey you and and unfortunately you can't learn everything overnight you do have to take your time and 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 you you do need to fill up your evidence bucket if you like uh, this proof that you can get through nights and and have fun and enjoy them and and then you know call it a night at 10 o'clock and go home and sleep really lovely in your bed um so i think until you get into that process which does take a bit of time and you keep doing the daily practice stuff and you keep pushing yourself out of the comfort zone and you just keep assessing what is fact and what is belief you know this night out this fomo this fun if you were to go on that night out and you weren't drinking and, and your friends were drinking, it, it would get quite boring an hour and a half in. Mm. It would. And it, it, you wouldn't be missing anything at all then because you'd just be thinking, I just want to go home now because they're all on this next level of kind of being a bit annoying and drunk and I'm not. Yeah. 
I'm not there. And, you know, sometimes that can make you feel a bit of sadness. Sometimes it is a bit like grieving, saying goodbye to that version of you. Um, And that's okay. It's not about feeling like you're not allowed to feel that way. Just like Patrick, you said that um, in other points, like it's okay to, to grieve really. It's okay to think, well, okay, that's, I'm closing the door on that now. But just know that it doesn't last forever. You know, it doesn't, I'm not sitting here now thinking, God, I wonder if my friends are out and, you know, they're in a restaurant having, I, I, I don't care because <laughs> I'm doing what I want to do, you know, and I, I book things that I love and I, you know what I mean? It's like, it doesn't, it, it's just at the moment it feels big, but it won't feel that way forever, I suppose, what I'm trying to say. Um, yes, is binge drinking a generational thing? What are your thoughts on that? I mean, I, think, I, can, yeah. I can only speak for like up to my age, really, but it's certainly like uh, 90s and noughties. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Binge drinking was a big thing. Right? Like, think about like IB for Uncovered and like all of those are the types of programs I was watching growing up. And that's like what you're seeing, like people pouring down uh, bottles of vodka down their necks and stuff like that. So, yeah, like for, for me, that definitely was what I saw and what I experienced. I think I think the th- interesting thing with binging is, though, like what you do in anything, you do in everything, right? Like, so binging with alcohol tends to show, like binging tends to show up in other areas of your life as well. So, you know, like since stopping alcohol and drugs, like I've ended up like binging on food instead, right? Like, because our, our brain is like trying to find that coping strategy for ourselves right like it has a function so yeah um yeah it's an interesting question but yeah for me certainly it was okay and so we've got one question here big sober milestone coming up um so i think this is uh, a year for this person have you guys found them uplifting or difficult how do you deal with them um so I'll 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 go first. Um I like I love I love my <laughs> milestones. I, I don't know, I just I still feel really excited about them. And um when I I remembered when I hit a year and two years and three years, to be honest, I remember when I hit 30 days and 100 days and six months, like they were all important. But I did really celebrate mine and I I spoke about it to people. I posted on my personal social media that it was my one year and that I was really, you know, happy. I bought myself a big chocolate cake. <laughs> There's the sugar addiction. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, you know, and I nearly ate it all myself. Um, so I, yeah, I, I, I really loved it. But I have heard that it, it can be a mixed bag and obviously everybody is different. And I do think that it, it, it is kind of quite well documented that sometimes it, you can have a bit of a wobble around that one year mark and it can be uncomfortable because you sort of like you want to be happy, but also, you know, it's kind of moment to step back and reflect and it can be a bit overwhelming. And it's like, well, what now? I've done a year. What, what am I going to do now kind of thing? And I think that can be quite normal. So what was your experience like? Yeah, I was a bit the opposite, really. Like I was, I was kind of proud of what I was doing internally, but I didn't want to speak about it to to everybody else. I think I put like one post in that first year, right? Like, but I knew it was what I want, and I think now I'm super proud, man, and I want to celebrate. I'm four years this month, so I'm like really excited. I'm thinking about 
I'm going to get like a fizzy bottle of water and shake it up <laughs> like a bottle of champagne. Like I'm going to go mad, right? Because, you know, like why not celebrate it? But yeah. for me, the reason I wasn't is because I had a little bit of sober shame, you know, like, oh, I've, not very conscious of it, but thinking like, oh, there was, there was a problem and not everybody else is doing this. And I didn't want to talk about it to people. Like, I'd rather people didn't know. And I just went about my life like under the radar. Whereas now, like a few years down the line, like I'm a massive advocate of celebrating yourself, whether it's like a week, a month, a year, whatever, right? Because the more you celebrate yourself, the more that's going to encourage you. The more you're encouraged, the more you're going to believe in yourself. The more you believe in yourself, like the much quicker you're going to get to where you want to be in life with your sobriety and other things as well. So our brain naturally doesn't want to celebrate ourselves, right? Like our brain naturally wants to look at negativity and that's just, that's normal. So yeah, celebrate yourself, like really be proud of your achievements. Even, even if you go out to a party and you don't drink that night, celebrate it, you know, like use it as, as evidence as mm. what you're doing, because yeah. when you're doing that, like it's inevitable that you're going to stop drinking. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's good. I'm all for the celebration. Um, so we kind of come to the end. Um, and yeah, thank you. Uh, so Patrick and I are getting together again, aren't we? Um, I think it's, is it yeah. Monday the 19th? So Monday we're going to do a session about um, having a successful Christmas day. So we're just going to try and hone in, aren't we, on that Christmas day you know, give everyone a confidence boost and a bit of a virtual hug um, and give some more tips on um, navigating that big day. Uh, so, uh, and I think you've got a podcast as well, haven't you, coming out at Christmas? Yeah, it actually came out today. Um, oh, did it? The wonderful... Very sassy sober yeah, as well. <laughs> yeah, so the Alcohol Rethink podcast, today's episode is kind of like a continuation of our discussion, really. So go check that out. That'd be really yeah. fun. Yeah, that one on Monday the 19th would be really good. It'd be a good pep talk for yourself as you kind of yes. like, a, I think for a lot of people, that's going to be the start of the Christmas holidays. Generally mm-hmm. speaking, like they're going to be finishing work around that time or very close to it. So, yeah, just kind of drop in for a little bit of sober motivation. Because as you said, Terry, it's all about planning. It's about getting yourself into that headspace. Like be be prepared. Because when you're prepared, like you're not, you're not gonna fall to urges or desires, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So we are here for you on the 19th but we will post won't we we will remind you all and uh we are both going to hopefully be posting this uh live session on our feed as well so if you did join late uh, or if you know someone that you think it might be helpful for you can point them in that direction and so thank you everybody for joining us thank you so much for listening to this podcast if you're interested in being a guest please contact me directly on Instagram by sending a message to at Sassy Sober Mum. You can also find helpful tools and resources on my website, sassysobermum.com. If you enjoyed the podcast and you want to spread the love, please like, share and rate the podcast. I really look forward to next time. See you then.